What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are excited, man. He has been so good to us this football season. And for a lot of years, we welcome in Husker Hall of Famer, part of the pipeline, Dr. Rob Zadiska with us. And uh, Doc Talk Sports, his podcast with Travis Justice. It looks like we're streaming here on ESPN, Lincoln's Facebook and Twitter, and the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed as well. Dr. Rob, it looks like you're in timeout, man. Are you in the back seat of a vehicle? <laughs> I'm in my car. I'm like half. I'm running halfway between the gym and the grocery store, nice. which is, is probably not a good spot to be. And you go get a workout, and now I'm going to go into the grocery store starving, hungry. Are you going to just go? Are, are we going T-bone, ribeye? I mean, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm thinking pork chops tonight. Nice bone in. Is there any other kind? <laughs> mm, mm. He's like amateur. Moving on. Uh, yeah, no, it's like I, wait, there's there's non bone in. No. Wait, wait, quickly, quickly, I need to, I need to get your take. How do you prepare your pork chop? I've, I've done pork chops a, a couple different ways over the past couple you, weeks. You grill it, Rob's. right? <laughs> so you you always got to get the big thick cut, Obviously. like inch minimum bone in. And you know what? I got a there's a seasoning mix I use. It's it's a mesquite seasoning mix. Let that sit on there for about an hour. Little bit of olive oil, or sometimes you can go cheap and just do a little pan spray. Mm-hmm. Throw it on the grill, both sides. Sear the heck out of both sides on high heat on the grill. Turn the heat down for about another oh ten minutes or so. I like my pork chops. I mean, I, I don't want them r- like rare, rare. Sure, but you want just a. Oh, tiny bit of pink in the middle yeah, there. Undercook them just a little bit. The, the FDA won't tell you that, but undercook them just a little. You got to do it. You can't have them dry. Tr- trichinosis is a myth. Okay, <laughs> try some Old Bay on them sometime. Oh, that sounds good. I do like. I got. A, I got a lot of Old Bay in the house. I love Old Bay. It is good. Uh, so th- there we go. That'll get the rest of us hungry. Uh, let's talk coaching <laughs> carousel for a moment. Rob, who do you like? It's been a, it's been a while since we talked. I think we talked pre-dismissal, uh, and, and now we're we're this part of the season, uh, and there's oh names boy. floating around. Who do you, who you, do know, you like? And, and again, I everything I'm everything I say when I think about coaches, it's all speculation. No, I mean, absolutely, yes. I, I mean, the one thing I'm, I'm continuously impressed about, continually impressed, either. 
uh, with Trev about is the fact that you really haven't heard anything out of Lincoln. You'll get like these little bursts of rumors that pop up and everybody goes crazy for a day or so. But really, you've heard nothing out of that athletic department. And that's kind of a credit to Trev. I, uh, you know, in terms of who I like, I mean, Leipold was a guy that was kind of on everybody's lists really early on. And then I think it kind of maybe faded a little there. He had a couple of losses. Um, boy, they're still playing solid football. They're bull eligible. When you really look at where Kansas has come from over the last decade, to where they're at now just within a two-year time frame is really really impressive what lance has been able to do down there so i still i mean he'd be a guy that i think you would look at and say hey here's a guy who's going to be able to at least kind of get that developmental change Mm -hmm. moving and get nebraska moving in in the right direction i still like climbing at kansas state i think you got you get all those guys with those uh north dakota state bison roots those guys have done very well Mm -hmm. um you you know i'm still a big fan of of jeff munkin up at army that that's not an easy place to have a fairly solid football program and he's a program builder he's done a good job up there it's a tough place to win but they do a good job of continuing to develop players up there, and that's something that I'm that that I'm mm-hmm. impressed with with him as well. I mean, I, I got kind of my pipe dream kind of guys that I always sit around and think like, man, we'd never get this guy, but boy, it would be it'd be kind of cool if we did. Absolutely, and my, mine's Lane Kiffin. Lane 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 would be fun, and in his his uh, his lab would be better. Uh, the the thought from you though about a climate at a Leipold saying, hypothetically, they get that phone call from Trev. Trev, we love you. Nebraska is an awesome place and program. We're good. Happy where they're at. It's, it, it's, it's tough thinking about that because I think that's going to happen with some coaches that Nebraska approach. I think it could, have, could happen with both of those guys, and I never thought I'd say that. It, yeah, um... It, it boy, I don't know. It kind of depends. I think the ceiling, you know, yeah. things can be bad at Nebraska in terms of the amount of pressure that a coach has to deal with. The expectations on the flip side, the ceiling, I think, is higher than it is at both of those schools. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately, in terms of fan support, uh, facilities, infrastructure, administrative support, dollars, brand recognition, uh, market recognition. Nebraska is always going to have a higher ceiling than those places. I mean, especially if you think about Kansas, it, it it's like a Kentucky, it's like a North Carolina. Sure, it's a basketball school. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to have bursts of success there within football. Glenn Mason had that. Mangino had that. Leipold's seen some of that right now, where they just became bowl eligible. Are you going to have long-term program stability as a possibility at a place like Kansas where basketball is always going to ultimately be the focus? Yeah, I think that's the big selling point, Rob, is the ceiling of Nebraska, the fans support the money. But I want to flip this around and and talk about the ceilings of of these potential coaching candidates and what you think is more important. When you look back at the history of Nebraska, I think – Bo Pelini was a guy who was high floor, low ceiling. Flip it around, the most recent guy, Scott Frost, probably more low floor, high ceiling. Well, what do you think is more important for, for Trev's next guy? Are you looking for the guy with, with the high floor where you think 
you know what? He, he might not be going 11 and 1, 12 and 0, but he is going to be getting you to, to a bowl game every single year. Or, or do you think that high ceiling is more important with you know potentially a guy like Mickey who's got the recruiting and says well, we're setting our sights on on the schools like Michigan and Ohio State? I you know I'm still kind of stuck on the idea that I mean both are possible. I, I I think you want the potential for both there, and I know that's kind of a cop out answer. I, I mean if you have to pick one versus the other. You know, I mean, Nebraska was kind of a high floor kind of place for the better part of the 70s and 80s. Now, you had runs there where you look at um, kind of the really early 80s, 80, 81, 82, 83, uh, kind of that Turner Guild time frame where Nebraska had those 12 and one seasons and that ceiling got pretty high there. And all of a sudden you thought, wow, we can win national titles and probably should have snuck one or two in in that time frame um but i think if you've got a high floor to get the ceiling it only takes some tweaks here and there i mean osborne was a high floor guy for 20 years and then kind of i don't he raised the roof there the last blew the roof off sorry i got so many metaphors flowing here right now but but i mean that's one of those things where i think ultimately uh, they're going to have to – I think you you start with the high floor, but you, you always got to have your high on that high ceiling. And I, I still stand by my gut feeling that um, I, on one of the things I keep going back to is I'm convinced Mickey was brought in with the idea that he, he very well may stay on as a coordinator, passing game coordinator, associate head coach, something – with whoever the new coach is. I, I, I have a hard time believing he came to Nebraska with the titles that he had, A, without knowing that it possi- that he was possibly going to be the interim coach. I think I think that was told to him up front. And I think he was probably also told, hey, we may not stick with you as the head coach after that interim time period, but we want to know if we can have you – can get you back here sure. can keep you here as an associate head coach as a coordinator i think that's something that he would i have a hard time thinking that conversation didn't happen and so i i would actually be a little bit surprised at this point unless a really good head coaching job comes up for mickey and i'm not talking about a georgia southern a, a sunbelt team talking i'm group talking of about power five yeah, like like a like a bigger group of five school or maybe a lower mid tier power five school opening pops up. Somebody doesn't take a chance on them. If that doesn't happen, if Mickey's best option is to be the head coach at Louisiana Monroe, I think he stays at Nebraska as that passing game coordinator and associate head coach and recruits the heck out of the place. Rob, two names. Got to ask you. It's been floating around with us the the beginning of the week. Uh, Gary Patterson, Bronco Mendenhall. Um, you, you know, I, I look at Gary Patterson as a guy that I thought both those guys, high floor guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wondered about Mendenhall ceiling, though. Sure. And I thought, I mean, when he left BYU, went to Virginia, that was weird. It just, a little, yeah, I, I thought he was a better fit at BYU. Um, 
he just never really seemed to have that continuity success at Virginia. And you would think he'd have better recruiting prospects there. There's some very much, there's very much some recruiting limitations when you're at BYU. You don't have those limitations at Virginia other than you're going to the ACC. And now, now all of a sudden you're trying to compete against Clemson for football players. And that's not an easy gig, but, I, I just I was a little surprised I didn't see more success from him at Virginia. I don't get as excited about him as I would a guy like Patterson. The only thing with Patterson, I mean, you got a guy great defensive coach. He had, you know, whoever he brings in or whatever is whatever direction he gives his offensive coaches, I always thought it was pretty good and it seemed to work fairly well for the most part when he was at TCU as a head guy. And I'd have no problem with Patterson because I do think he's got the potential to have that higher ceiling. The only concern I have with him, which I guess, I mean, it kind of maybe goes back with a guy like Kleiman, or not not Kleiman, but Leipold would be, would be an age thing. Mm-hmm. How much longer does a 60-year-old or 60-plus-year-old guy want to do this? Now, I get the Nick Sabans, who's, what, 70 years old or 72 years old or whatever he is. Um, I, I get the fact that you got uh, you had Joe Paterno and Bobby Bound. You got these guys that coach till they're 75, 80 years old. That just because a guy's 60 doesn't mean he's not going to be there for 10 mm-hmm. years. But there's, I, I mean, a guy who's in his 40s or 50s probably has more of that longevity potential than the guy who's 60 or so years old. Rob Zadiska with his Husker Great uh, Doc Talk Sports, his podcast with Travis Justice. And Rob, going to switch gears. I have about 90 seconds left, bud, and go get that bone-in pork chop, brother. Uh, <laughs> I need to know uh, what Nebraska's best plan of attack here Saturday is to hang on for dear life. Wow. Um Boy, that's a, that's a tough one because you look at a team like Michigan. They're they're kind of hitting on most all cylinders right now. They're they play a good run game. They can pass the ball. Obviously, the I think the run game with Corm is where they do a lot of damage to people. Even if he's not getting the crazy yards, you've got to focus on them, and that opens up the passing game at the very least. They're a well coached defensive team as well. And when you look at Ohio State right now, you almost have to kind of wonder, at least in terms of how these teams are playing, if Michigan isn't the, might not be the team to beat again coming out of the East. Um, I, I worry also about a coach like Jim Harbaugh, where I feel like he's made some kind of some philosophical changes in how he does things. Um, the the shtick seems like it's kind of gone away. It's there. I feel like there's been kind of a very hardcore focus on just coaching, just recruiting, just developing his players and allowing his assistants. And he's got some very good assistants there to coach. It's a hard team to have to game plan against. And basically, you're going to have to go out, do play to Nebraska's strengths. You know, I really hope Casey Thompson's able to go because I think we're going to need his ability to move the ball. And Don't throw the ball. think so, my friend, unless you can uh, get him a little Mr. <laughs> Miyagi. <laughs> I'll do what I can. Do what I can. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not super. I'm I'm not super. Uh, optimistic about that. But You're gonna I mean, need a lot of fairy that's nectar, the thing. I, mean, I don't know if Nebraska's got a great prospect if Casey's not playing. Otherwise, it's one of these things. I hope the I hope the offensive line can give a guy like uh, can give a guy like Smothers time mm-hmm. to throw the ball and get it downfield. Uh, on defensively, man, they've they've just got to go out and play really good sound assignment defense, and that's going to be tough to do against that offense because they do have multiple weapons. They do a good job in the tight end with the tight ends in the passing game. Mm-hmm. They do a good job with their split and wide out guys in terms of running kind of some rub and pick patterns that are really effective, especially when you get down close to the goal line. Um, They're a hard team to defend against because they have a lot of weapons that they can choose from. They're not a one-sided offense. They can pass. They can pass to the tight end. They can pass to the running back. Corm's a pretty darn good wide receiver, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. So you've got to play good assignment defense, and you can't make mistakes on special teams. You can't have turnovers on offense. I mean, it's I hate to say it. they got to play a perfect game to have a chance here. Dr. Rob Zadiska. Dr. Rob, this was awesome. Thanks for joining the stream today. Absolutely. You guys have a good rest of the evening.